Welcome everybody, this is episode 3 of Mama Don't Break. I am your host, Shelby, aka Mama. It is August 2nd, 2021, and it is a beautiful day here in eastern Washington. I am full of shit, it is smoky as can be, and we can barely breathe. If you guys are on the west side, you know what I'm talking about. If you are fortunate enough to not be affected by these wildfires, you are very lucky. It is a terrible wildfire season. My little boy has been presumably sick for the last two weeks, but we're starting to think he just has my allergies combined with a really bad case of smoke inhalation, really. He just can't breathe with all the smoke. So I really hope that he gets better soon. But I was overwhelmed with the response that I got from my first and second podcast. So here we are for the third time. Third time is a charm, they say. And I had a lot of you write out to me and say, hey, Shelby, I loved your podcast, but what was up with that sweet little voice that you did all innocent like? So fuck it. You guys want my normal energy? That's what we're going to bring. That's what we're going to do. It's just a little difficult to keep my voice down sometimes when the baby's sleeping. But until I get new equipment, we're just going to work with what I can do. I, You guys, I am literally working with just my phone and a $7 Amazon microphone just a little tiny prop that I got, but it is working apparently. I've, I've gotten some good feedback, so I'm just going to work with what I have until I either can afford more equipment or if you are willing to sponsor me, please reach out to me. My email is break at gmail.com. Seriously though, I am looking for sponsors. If you feel like donating in any way, shape, or form, the link on my bio It's on my Instagram, my TikTok, my Facebook, anywhere you find me, there is a link that shows you everything that I am doing. And if you feel generous, you feel kind, please feel free to donate in any way, shape, or form through those outlets. There's Cash App, PayPal, and you can also choose to donate directly through Linktree. Content creating takes time, and time is money, so every dollar counts and it is appreciated if you would like to get something back for your generosity i do have merchandise i would love if you check out the merchandise section on that link as well great t-shirts a couple cool hats and i think i even have a mug on there if you have a dog i have dog t-shirts i i got everything you guys mama don't break indeed i am non-stop working right now 40 hours a week plus running this I think it's just there's just a lot in store for Mama Don't Break and I cannot wait to find out what it is and have you all along for the ride. So with that being said, I am going to be guest hosting, starring, what would the word be, on a podcast coming up. It's not going to be my podcast. I am a guest on a podcast. I guess I could just say that. Flat Tire Andy's podcast is coming out. I believe it's August 7th. If you guys feel like it, please go and check out his podcast, give him a follow, and watch out for my little starring, interviewing, hosting, whatever you'd like to call it. I was on there with him. We had a wonderful time, and I cannot wait for you guys to hear it. Today, I just wanted to talk a little bit about my personality. I've had a lot of you guys ask me about why I'm so outgoing and bubbly and you know that is honestly something that I've had long before I had my confidence. I've always been outgoing, I've always been bubbly, but I will attribute a lot of my weirdness and my dorkiness to my drug use. If 
you guys don't know, I was an addict and I have been off of opiates for nine years now, coming up in September. I am very proud of that fact. Other than having Nathan, I have not had painkillers in almost nine years, which is a big fact for me. Or a big feat, I should say. Big feat for me. It's a fact, but it's a feat. And I'm going to be telling you guys about how I became an addict, how long I was an addict, why I was an addict, etc., etc., and how I got sober. Covered. I started my addiction to opiates when I was around 16 years old. I had a surgery done, and my doctor prescribed me painkillers. It is the classic story, classic tale. About 10 years ago, opioids were a lot easier to come by. It wasn't quite an epidemic yet, and doctors were handing them out willy-nilly. So I had my surgery, and I got prescribed hydrocodones. And I got a couple refills on it. So I was on them for a while. My body got used to them. My body got addicted to them. And when I was told one day, I went into my doctor's office and I was told that I was not getting any more refills, I freaked out. I had no warning. They took me off cold turkey. And if you've ever dealt with any kind of addiction, then you would know that you don't fucking take someone off of it just cold turkey like that. You gotta wing them off of it. There's a way to do it. But they didn't do that. My doctor did not do that. He just took me off of it. So I ended up going out onto the street and looking for it elsewhere. I ended up finding it elsewhere and became addicted even more. I was told by someone that I should try snorting it because it hits you faster. I am not suggesting that in any way, shape, or form. I am just saying what they told me. So I did it, and that became my poison. I became a full-blown addict, but I didn't realize that I was an addict. I didn't think anything was wrong with me because I still had a job. I wasn't stealing from people. I wasn't on the streets homeless, twacked out, but I was affecting those around me, and I just didn't realize it. I was slowly losing touch with myself and I didn't realize it. But of course, we don't learn until we hit rock bottom, right? So I ended up getting the opportunity one day to try crystal meth. And I did. And within a couple of days, my family knew something was wrong. Something was going on. I was given the option because I lived with them. I was given the option to move out. And basically kick rocks, go on the street, or I could go to rehab. My insurance would cover it, so why not? And of course, I had nowhere to go. I had a puppy and I had nowhere to go. So I said, okay, we will I'll go to rehab. I ended up getting on Google. I Googled the best drug rehab in the country. And up pops BDR. It was really called Best Drug Rehab located in Michigan. So I ended up flying out there. My insurance covered it. I was told that it was an NA program, that it was a wonderful place to be. was given the whole spiel. Well, I end up getting there and I'm taken to the detox center first. Before you go to the rehab, you have to go to a detox center where you get all the drugs out of your systems. And uh, supposed to do it medically supervised in the right way, but 
they decided that they wanted us to take niacin and sit in a sauna. Now, if you know anything about niacin, you'll know that it makes you flare up. It makes you really hot. It makes you have an alternate reaction most of the time. Not everybody, but most of the time. So when you sit in a sauna while you're on niacin, it's very hot, very uncomfortable, very unhealthy. It does make you sweat, but it's very unhealthy. And I ended up begging for them to let me out, and they would not. They, they forced me to do it. They forced all of us to do it. Side note, a month after I left there, a girl died in that sauna. She actually ended up overheating and dying, and they ended up shutting the detox center down because they found out what they were doing there. So I'm not exaggerating when I say this was a terrible place. However, continue on with my story. The entire time that we were at the detox center, they were watching us. They were evaluating us. They wanted to see basically if we were brainwashable is what I'm classifying it as. Because half of us were sent to an actual NA center, but not me. The other half were sent to a Scientology center. I don't know still to this day what made them think that I was brainwashable or if they just thought I was super stubborn and they wanted to try, but I got sent to this lovely Scientology center in Battle Creek, Michigan, disguised as a rehab center, taking people's insurance money and using it for the benefit of their cult. And I will call it that. It is a fucking cult. Excuse my language, mom. I know you're probably listening and you're not going to like me saying these words, but shout out to mom. Hey, it was though. It was a cult and I ended up getting there. And besides the fact that it was a creepy building, which we all touch base on a couple of crazy stories in a few minutes. But besides all of that, it was, it was just one of those places that they they were trying to push their entire belief on me, on everyone. We ended up, instead of getting to talk about our addiction, we were not allowed to talk about our addiction in any way, shape, or form, mind you. If we were caught talking about our addiction or drugs, we got in trouble. So we were not allowed to talk about drugs. But we were forced to do exercises out of a TR book. TR books are training books. We were actually... in a I shit you not, we were told to sign a piece of paper when we arrived saying you are not at a rehab center, you are at a Scientology center for learning. So we end up going to these TR classes every day where we're told to do the most asinine things. One of which we would sit across from a partner and have to stare at them. We couldn't blink, we couldn't move. We had to basically have a staring contest with them. And it started out 15 minutes, then we moved up to 30 minutes, and 45, and then an hour. One man ended up passing out while doing this exercise because of the lack of oxygen to his brain. And they they just don't care. The whole point, they say, is to make you overcome yourself or some nonsense. I didn't even pay attention half the time because in my head I'm thinking, I have my higher power And I don't push my belief on anybody. So why the hell are you taking my insurance money and pushing your beliefs onto me? I'm here for help. I honestly wanted help and I did not receive it. I've reached out to Dr. Phil. I've reached out to many outlets. And unfortunately, I have not heard back. But as far as I know, that 
Rehab Center, Scientology Center is still operating. And it's a shame because what they do is they take vulnerable people in. They do not allow us to make phone calls. I was not allowed to make a phone call for the first couple weeks. And even if I was, who would believe an addict, right? I ended up, when I was able to call my mom, my mom did. She thought I was exaggerating. She thought, oh, you just want out of there. You're you're just full of it. Well, sure enough, one of my friends ended up getting out and his mom believed him. So he got out and was able to get his mom to convince my mom. She finally got me out of there. But besides the fact that I wasn't getting the help that I needed, it was haunted. Swear to goodness, that was the first time in a long time. Well, I shouldn't, yeah, because I shouldn't say first time in my life. First time in a long time that I had had such crazy experiences. It was an old veterans hospital. So the very basement was just, there's some creepy rooms with old beds and stuff still. And very weird vibes right when I walked in the door. But I, ooh, I have one really good story. I'm sitting here alone in the dark, but I guess I could tell it. So, I don't know why I say so. Anyway, my roommate at the time says that she walked out of the bedroom. We shared a room. She walked out to go down the hall to the showers. And she says she took two steps and heard me screaming. When she left the room, I was reading a book. We both remember that. Well, right when she closed the door, apparently I fell asleep because it didn't actually happen what I'm about to tell you next, but it felt so real. So apparently I was sleeping. I was daydreaming, whatever. I don't know. I still don't know. But after she closed the door, something grabbed me by my hair and threw me against the wall. And it was terrifying. It was holding me there by my throat and I was trying to scream and nothing came out. I could not scream at all. And then I started screaming for my Bible. And the moment that I said Bible, (laughs) for some reason I just thought of the Kardashians Bible. (laughs) If you're a Kardashian fan, you know what I mean? Anyway, serious moment, Shelby. So during all this, I said Bible and it dropped me. It actually dropped me onto the floor. And right when I hit the floor is when my roommate was shaking me awake saying, Shelby, Shelby. So apparently within three to four seconds, I mean, she took two steps out the door, heard me screaming and ran back in and started shaking me. So within these few seconds, it felt so real. And I woke up and I immediately reached for my Bible, which was by my bed. I was reading it when she closed closed the door. So I don't know how it ended up next to my bed, but probably fell off the bed. I still can't remember clear, but it was next to me. I opened it up and it turned right to demon possession. I don't know the exact verse. I can't claim to say I know the exact verse, but I just remember it was about demon possession. And to this day, I fully believe that there there was things at, at play there. I believe that there was things trying, but I have a very strong faith. I have my, my God. I'm not going to push religion on you guys for the next 20 minutes, but out of respect, but I do. I have my God and I believe that he conquered that day. But that place was a fester field. I mean, when you think about it, addicts are sad, we're lonely, and when we go to get help, we're vulnerable. So if you think about it, that combined with an old hospital, it is a very good 
place for, I mean, you can make a haunted movie scene there. But all jokes aside, I mean, it was not a good place to be. I don't regret going there at all because I did learn a lot of stuff from there and I met some amazing people, but it was not what it was promised to be. I did not get over my drug use. I ended up leaving early. They said, oh, you'll never recover. Well, if you're listening now, screw you. Guess who's off of opiates? And yes, I say that because I still enjoy beer here and there and I'll still enjoy some marijuana here and there. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. I've never had issues with that. I've never had an over drinking problem or anything. I was addicted to pills and it did almost ruin my life and it affected those around me in a very negative way. And so that is why I feel lucky that I got out of that circle before it really became an epidemic, before things like fentanyl took the streets. I mean, that stuff now, you get it on the streets and you could that could be your last hit. You go and you never know. That one line, that one hit could be your last because it's such dangerous stuff nowadays. You don't know what you're messing with. But I ended up going home and I ended up going right back to using. And I actually ended up shortly after moving to near Miami, Florida. And I met up with a friend of mine that I went to rehab with. And he was a cutie. We ended up dating for a while and we ended up using together. And he actually used heroin, which was something that I had never used before. And I decided to try it. I didn't shoot it. Again, I I was never into needles or anything like that. But I got it in powder form and I would snort it. And what ended up making me want to actually get sober and get off of it was I reached my rock bottom there. There was one day I woke up that morning and the first thing I remember is that I couldn't even look myself in the mirror. It was during the time, and I don't know if a lot of you may remember, about 10 years ago, the DEA went through and raided a bunch of gas stations and things like that and grabbed all the bath salts and the spice things like that that were uh, over the counter sales it was synthetic drugs well I am ashamed to say that I was one of those people that was doing that stuff I was snorting bath salts and smoking spice because it was easy to get and easily available and in Miami in 2011 2012 it, it was not legal to smoke weed or do anything of the sort you know much less heroin or cocaine or anything so I was really playing with fire. I was living on the edge and playing with fire. I still don't know how I'm alive to this day, but I ended up waking up that morning and I could not look myself in the mirror, but I looked at my dog who I had left the night before and I came home that night and there was shit all over the floor and you know, I got mad at her, but I'm thinking that morning I was thinking, God, why did I get mad at her when I'm the one that left her to go get high? Like, yeah, she's not my kid, but I've had this dog for a while and like, she's my buddy, you know, and I left her to go get high and I started feeling like a really shitty person. And then that day I ended up getting in the car with my friends and my boyfriend and they started getting their stuff ready to shoot up. And I said, fuck it, give me some. And I almost put that needle in my arm. I was an inch away. I had it up to my skin pretty much. And something inside of me told me to run. And I did. I threw it and I ran. 
And I ran back to my place and I called my mom bawling. And I asked her to come home. I just said, Mom, I just want to come home. I think I lied to her and said I wasn't using. I'm almost positive I lied. But I knew if I told her I was fucked up, she wasn't going to let me come home. But I needed to come home. I I knew I was at my rock bottom and I wanted help and I needed help and I was going to do it one way or the other. So I ended up getting my stuff together, getting my dog in my car, and we'd left that day. And it was the longest ride home. I was coming off of (laughs) heroin, which is the worst come down ever. The worst. And I still remember stopping in Texas and stepping in a pile of fire ants and my feet inflamed. And I mean, I I think I even got a flat tire at one point. I mean, God was punishing me, y'all. I was, the universe was just throwing left and right at me, but I deserved it. I deserved everything. And I was, I remember sitting in a parking lot, just bawling my eyes out at one point. And I just knew, I knew I was done. I just wanted to get home to my mommy and I was done with heroin. I was done with pills. I was just done with opiates. I didn't want it anymore. I didn't touch any of it any anymore. I went to NA. Sorry, I'm starting to ramble and get fast because I get emotional. Take a breath. So I got home. I remember getting home and just hugging my mom and saying thank you. And I did. I went to NA and I worked the program and I was done with all of it. I believe eight months into my recovery, I ended up meeting a boy and got off the rail at one point for about a week. I ended up relapsing. We all do at some point. There's nothing to be ashamed of in relapse. Relapse is part of recovery, honestly. I ended up relapsing and I knew, I knew I wanted that sobriety. I wanted to stay away from the hard drugs. Again, I'm not going to claim I'm not off everything because I still enjoy drinking once in a while and I still enjoy smoking weed once in a while, but I have not touched any hard drugs in almost nine years since in September. Other than having my son, they did, I got an epidural, so that counts, but not really though. It doesn't count towards, like it doesn't count as a, a relapse in my mind because I needed it for medical reasons, but that's a debatable topic, I guess, for some people. But I personally say try and get a C-section without an epidural and you're on crack. So yourself, so go to rehab. <laughs> Recovery joke. But, you know, you guys, it's it's been a very rough and rocky road to my recovery. And there is still times that I stumble over my words because my mind races faster than my mouth. And there is still a lot of growing for me to do. Um, I guess the way you could look at it is while most people were maturing at 17 through 21, I was using drugs. So now I'm kind of doing that maturing of what most 19, 20 year olds are doing. So there are times where I do feel like I'm younger than I am and not necessarily in a good way. There's times where I struggle with my emotions and I struggle with my perception of what is real and what's not. And I overthink and I do these things because I believe of my drug use. And I honestly, I wish I could see like a internal scan of my brain someday because it would be interesting to see how, how it is. I know that there's obviously these wonderful parts of my brain that are creative and strong and unique. But 
boy, if I hadn't have done drugs, I wonder how much sharper my brain would be and how much more my brain could accomplish. But if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. I'm not going to sit and reflect on ifs, right? I think that my drug use has honestly played a huge role in who I am now and it's offered me ways of being able to connect with people of all shapes and I don't know why I said shapes and sizes but just all different people you know we are all different we've all been through stuff and we all need coping mechanisms we do whether you like to admit it or not you have a coping mechanism it could be drugs it could be alcohol it could be running it could be tiktok it could be social media in general it could be going to the gym playing with your dog cooking I mean we all have an outlet some of them are more healthy than others and so I'd say that's that's where you should try and focus is finding an outlet that's healthy for you but we all have our outlets so I just wish that people wouldn't be so judgy yeah I may not have been that person you see on the street that has, you know, their life in complete shambles and sores on their face and stealing from their family members just to get their next fix. But I was still an addict. I still know what it feels like to have no control over your own life at one time or another. I know what it feels like to not be able to look yourself in the mirror. I know what it feels like to feel like you've let everyone around you down. And that's why I feel like it would be a shame for me to keep silent on all this stuff now and keep it to myself when I'm hoping at least one of you will be able to relate to this in some way. You may not be able to relate to it directly, but maybe someone you know can. Maybe there's someone you'd like to share this podcast with that would be able to relate to it. You know, and... I am planning on starting up my YouTube channel. I have started a YouTube channel. It's obviously the same name, Mama Don't Break. And hopefully with time, I will be able to record my podcasts and not just sit here and stare at a wall. I can actually record and you guys can either watch it on YouTube or just continue to listen to it on here while you're doing whatever you're doing. But I just want to be able to expand my outlets and reach more people. You know, I have absolutely no desire to get famous through social media, you guys. I just want to be able to provide a safe place for you to be able to come and know that you're not alone. So if there's anything that you guys want to hear about on my podcast, please feel free to email me at mamadontbreak at gmail.com. Again, that's mamadontbreak at gmail.com. And if you have any creators also under uh, preferably under 100k but if you'd like to get to know any other creators besides myself please let me know go to that email let me know who your favorite creators are and I will try and get in touch with them I have a list of some people already that I plan on interviewing but obviously I'm gonna run out of people eventually so I need that list to keep growing so please if you're not already go follow me on Instagram Follow me on TikTok, follow me on Twitter, Facebook. My handle is the same everywhere. The only place it's not is my TikTok backup account is simply Mama Don't Break with no underscores. If you don't know my handle, it is at Mama underscore don't underscore break. That is on all platforms. 
except my TikTok backup account is just mama don't break with no underscores. Sorry to be confusing with the underscores, but I did have to start a backup TikTok account because they banned me once again. And I'm just worried that eventually I might lose my main account. So I'm hoping to build up my backup account in the meantime and see you all there. So with that being said, I think that's all I had to say. And I really hope that you guys take this to heart. I hope, again, that you got something from it. Please just keep in mind, don't be judgy. Be kind to each other. You never know what people are going through. You never know. That person that is having a rough day and maybe took it out on you, you never know that they could be going through something astronomically worse. So I'm not saying that's a reason for you to let people shit all over you, but in my own personal instances, I know I need to work on being more patient with people and not reacting so fast out of anger and step back and realize, hey, maybe they're going through something. Maybe there's a reason that they're acting this way and it has nothing to do with me not all about you Shelby as much as I think it is (laughs) so with that being said you guys I hope you have a wonderful wonderful day night wherever you are and don't be judgy to each other I love you